Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. their life. 
alive. Cassidy acquired the life rights to the story and set out to make uh, the projects happen. Rats and Bullies was filmed in Canada, Washington, D.C., and California. The film completed post-production in 2011 and is being met with uh, critical acclaim. Additionally, she wrote the screenplay based on the story titled The Toughest Girls, which has won industry script competitions and is being read at studios for development uh, into a feature film. Cassie is also an actor, and she's been in plays and TV and movies uh, on Showtime, Discovery Channel, and elsewhere. She does voiceover work. We're going to talk more to her about that as well on, on Friday when we discuss the making of the feature film. But I want to welcome uh, Cassidy right now to the show. Hi, Rex. Hi, Cassidy. How are you? I am great. Thank you for uh, having me on to discuss this topic. Well, you know, I, I learned about the feature film, the documentary. I, I was I was contacted, and I said, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be interested in, in uh, interviewing the director of the feature film. Then I found out what the feature film was about, and I was even more interested. And then I got the feature documentary, Rats and Bullies. And uh, and by, by by that time we had already scheduled to have you on the show. I then watched the documentary, and I got to tell you, Cassidy, I, the first, the opening of your doc, I could barely get through. I am not a, a weepy cry kind of guy. I don't I don't cry at the drop of a hat. I I we, I could not get through the opening without crying, and and I stopped. I stopped you know a quarter of the way through the film and just went, I can't do this. And I went back and I watched it, and I watched the whole film. It is sad. It is disturbing. It is tragic. It is, and 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 that's why I said I wanted to do a special show. I wanted to add a show where we talk about the topic of your documentary and uh, the topic of bullying and what's going on in in grade schools and middle schools and high schools around this country and around the world. And, and and then also talk about the making of the documentary, and I was glad that, that you and, and your people were willing to accommodate that. Um, it is a riveting movie. It is so sad. And and so, I mean, I just, as a parent with, with kids that age, I, ju- I just can't fathom the pain and the suffering that the children and the parents and the families involved go through. And um, I'm happy to say... That I'm glad that you brought this horrible condition uh, to light. To, that you're, you're shining a flashlight on it, and I and I really hope that somehow uh, it will make a difference in schools and in behaviors of both parents and kids, and uh, you know, around our country, because it's desperately needed. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, the bullying epidemic continues to grow. Um, sadly, and uh, like I said, the reason I made the film was indeed to prevent kids from taking their life due to bullying. And at some of the schools where I've shown the film, I have had several students come up to me and say, you know what, before I saw this film, I was this close to wanting to kill myself. I you know, had it all planned out, what I was going to do, but now after seeing this film, I see the reality of what would happen and and the hurt and devastation it would cause my family and my best friend. And so now I'm going to get help instead. And that's just been the most humbling thing of all and what I'm most proud of. um, It has got to be bittersweet, certainly. I mean, it has got to be 
you know, tough for you and for the uh, and, and obviously for the people involved in the, in the making of the documentary to to uh, be involved and in the lives of the of the subjects of the of the film. Uh, you know, uh, there are uh, I I in in my own neighborhood in the in the schools in the you know, neighborhood this has recently come to our attention uh, the issue and and people who've had it. And uh, when I discovered it was going on, I started talking to some parents who would say things like, I didn't know that my son was being bullied on the bus. And so for uh, three quarters of a year, he walked home instead of taking the bus because, you know, he didn't want to get and he says, you know, and things like that. Where there, they weren't, obviously it wasn't as um, devastating or, or, I mean, I think any level of bullying is, is, is one dangerous and devastating and, and, and needs to be addressed, but, but, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the film and, and tell us about it and, and also, well, let's, and, and how you got involved. Let's, let's start right there. How I got involved was I tuned in for a specific episode of the Oprah Winfrey show. I recorded Uh it. And I had heard it was on this case of a girl committing suicide due to being bullied. And when I watched, I was just horrified. Uh, And I saw that, yeah, the story was about Dawn Ray Wesley, 14-year-old girl, uh, who was bullied and also threatened with death by three girls at her high school. She then hung herself in her bedroom with her dog's leash. And this incident just sparked a landmark investigation which led to the precedent-setting court case where for the first time in North America, teens were made to stand trial for bullying. Uh, And when I saw that on the Oprah Winfrey show, that a girl would be so terrified to put her neck through a dog's leash and step off of a chair just compelled me that I wanted to tell this story to a wider audience in more depth. Um, As a journalist, with my journalist hat on, I like to shed light on darkness. I like to focus the light on it and show what we can do to make things better, uh, to prevent future tragedies from happening. And so I knew that I wanted to write a feature film screenplay based on the story, to further tell it in greater detail. And so I contacted the family, and they had already been approached by studios and several networks. But when I spoke to the mom of Dawn Marie, her name is Cindy Wesley, when I spoke with Cindy, I told her my vision for the story. You know, I said, look, I'm not backed by a studio, but this is my vision for this story. This is what I want to tell about your daughter. And I want to tell it in a very real way. Um, I don't want to homogenize it. I also don't want to sensationalize it. And after our initial 90-minute conversation, she gave me the life rights to her family's story, for which I'm honored that she trusted me enough with that. And so I set about to write the screenplay. It was at that time that I knew since I would be traveling up to Canada, spending a month filming everyone involved, I realized at that time that I should also do a documentary film 
as well, and that's how the two projects came to be developed. And the documentary proceeds to feature film. Correct. Yeah. Right. Well, I, and you know, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm almost, I find it hard to choose words. I was going to say, I'm thrilled that there's going to be a, a feature film, but I, I don't mean it in the same sense. I, I, I am elated that the story can continue, you know, and and that the focus on the topic can can continue and can reach people who may or may not see the documentary, I guess is, is how I want to phrase that. So, you know, uh, more power to you. Uh, in both endeavors. To, uh, regarding the documentary, now you're winning a lot of awards. How many awards have you won so far? I really don't know. Um, I mean, I would have to count. So, I mean, I really don't know off the top of my head, but um, a lot so far. In the same, <laughs> hard. Yeah, the thing it's hard when uh, you don't have funding a lot of times to get into some of these film festivals. And sure. <clears throat> so, first of all, I have to acknowledge the fact that some of those film festivals and have like waived their entry fees for this film as it is because of the subject matter and when they watch it they're like yeah we're going to waive our fees for this festival so I just want to extend my thanks to all the film festivals out there that did that and then on top of that winning the award like recently we won uh, in Chicago at the United Nations Global Wake Up Film Festival we won their Festival Directors Impact Film Award. And here we were competing with over 40 films from across the globe wow. in the United Nations Festival. And to win that, especially because we're this little film with, with no budget, uh, was just extraordinary and deeply appreciative. Uh, as well as in Florida at a festival there, the film won... Uh, both the Audience Choice Award for Best Documentary and the the uh, Jury Award for Best Documentary, and that was also deeply moving, just because I'm also from Florida, so that meant a lot to me. Well, that's very neat. Now I have it on good authority that you got at least a dozen awards, so that's that's very cool. Let me um, ask you to uh, tell everybody right up front the name of your website, how they can get it. It's your name, but I, I'd like you to say it and spell it, and then we'll get your Twitter, uh, how they can follow you on Twitter up front as well. Uh, my website is www.cassidymcmillan.com, so C-A-S-S-I-D-Y-M-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com, and the film's website is ratsandbullies.com. So R A T S A N D B U L L I E S dot com. And at Ratsandbullies dot com there's a three minute trailer for the film. On Twitter, I am at Cassidy M C M C A S S I D Y M C M. And you can follow the film at Rats and Bullies. R A T S A N D B U L L I E S. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for doing that. We'll continue to remind people throughout the show. And again, I want to invite you to invite others while listening to the show. We are talking about uh, the bullying of our children. And I think that, to me, is just so disturbing. I mean, the you know, those of us who are older, you know, and have grown up and, you know, have gone through it, 
many of us probably have stories, you know, in our past of being picked on or bullied to some extent or another. But when someone is bullied and threatened so much that they end their life, I mean, at, at she was 13, 14 years old, and uh, and for Dawn Marie to end her life to see no hope uh, out of the situation, and you and you in the documentary you show the, you know her 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 suicide letter, her last letter to her family, and again, I mean it's just the kind of thing that ripped me up. It, I to I, I can't fathom her hopelessness and or her family's grief over this and to note that it was teenage girls who who were the instigators of it for her. Right. And middle school. Middle school. I mean, it's, you know, when, when kids have enough problems just, just with puberty and everything else, then to face that is just uh, incredible. It is, absolutely. And the fact that the parents did not know any of this was going on, whether it was the bully's parents or... Don Marie's parents. Right. Uh, and and the thing is bullying is just so different today than what people think of from years ago. Uh and the fact that there really isn't one exact definition of bullying. Bullying essentially is abuse. You know, whether it's in the verbal form, physical, written form, or shunning, you know, isolating someone and it's targeting someone to hurt them emotionally or physically and sometimes right now like actually recently I was doing an interview with uh, actor Dr. Bill Cosby and we were discussing the fact of how bullying at this point the term almost seems to be so cliche that people just sort of throw it around lightly like that's just bullying oh that's just bullying because what we're really talking about in essence is criminal harassment these are threats this is assault and it needs to be addressed as such, not just like, oh, it's the rite of passage that, oh, you're in school, you have to get bullied. No. No one should have to get bullied. No adult and certainly no child should have to. Well, you know, what's, what's you know, I made reference to people who are older. For example, when I was a kid, there was the neighborhood bully. There was the one boy who beat up all the boys who went through the neighborhood. But I mean, now it's almost like there's packs of bullies. It's it's a it is a different like gangs of bullies. And and I think you're right. I mean, the the fact that I don't think that most people my age can appreciate what children are going through when the term bullying is used. Because I think of it like when I was a kid. You know, I don't I don't until I saw the documentary or until I had some personal experience with it with people close to me. I just had no idea. Um, and I don't know that I would have been much, I would have said, hey, you know, get over it. You know, it's just bullies. I mean, get over it. So this, and and, and I, I shared the little story about the kid on the bus, and, and while that bullying, I don't know the extent of it, but it prevented him from taking the bus, but but what you just said a moment ago, parents don't know. This, this mother told me, she said, I didn't know for almost a year that he, you know, he refused to get on the school bus because he was afraid of these kids. And 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 you're saying this seems to be kind of typical now, that parents just are in the dark, that kids aren't sharing this. They're not saying, hey, I'm getting picked on or I'm being harassed. 
Right. And like what you're talking about with the pack mentality, it's also the technology involved nowadays. It used to be Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, that you went to school and sadly for eight hours a day you had to put up with the bad people that bullied you and, and harassed you and you had to endure that five days a week for eight hours a day. Now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There literally is no escape with cell phones, the Internet, MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, instant messaging, text messaging. All of these equal technological warfare of some sort. If a kid now has to see their attackers all day and then the rest of the time they get assaulted by incoming threats or people posting horrible things about them online. I mean, imagine a 24-hour assault on an adult, like seven days a week from your coworkers, you know, and people telling you to kill yourself. It, that in itself becomes unbearable, and yet we expect a kid to be able to handle this, and then when they sometimes try and say something, we go, oh, that's just bullying. I mean, like in Don Marie Wesley's case, she did go to the school counselor. She did report it. Nothing uh-huh. was done. And the fact with Don Marie Wesley, too, at this story is that she was threatened with death by the daughter of a prominent, high-ranking police officer with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Uh-huh. And so when Don Marie looks at this and says, a cop's daughter is threatening me, and this bully said that she could even have members of Don's family arrested for whatever she deemed to tell her dad to do, Don Ree believed it. And unfortunately, like I said, she felt there was no other way out than to remove herself from the equation because she was also afraid that then these bullies were going to harm her family and her best friend. And so with that, schools need to address it immediately. And I realize some schools are, and again, I I deal with a lot of schools, and I've spoken with thousands of kids uh, across the U.S. uh, on bullying and I do know that some schools are addressing it, but many more schools aren't. They they say they are, but they're really not. They sort of are turning a blind eye or just saying, oh, hey, you correct this behavior and you correct this behavior, and that's not the way to do it, especially like in some schools where they have the zero tolerance policy. Now, that sounds good in and of itself, to say, well, we have zero tolerance for bullying. Great. That sounds, like I said, really wonderful. But in essence, sometimes it doesn't work out so great. What zero tolerance can mean at times is that, say, a bully physically attacks the victim. They punch them, knock them to the ground, and, of course, the victim's fighting to just defend themselves, protect themselves, and then the fight's broken up. And what happens? Both the bully and the victim get suspended. And, of course, what message does that send to the victim? There is no justice there. And in addition to that, that makes other kids not report things and not want to tell authorities because they're like, well, then I guess I would just get in trouble if I tell that I'm being bullied. You know, just sending this confusing message to kids. It's like the policies need to inflict discipline to the bully and not take it out on the victim as well. So that's just one of the things that schools kind of need to modify going forward. 
Yeah, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing thing. I um you know, my son had gotten bullied, you know, uh, when he was in grade school by, you know, a specific boy kind of thing where he would get, you know, the the boy would push him around and everything. And you know, we we would con- he was kind of close about the bed, but he, uh, you know, we encouraged him to talk, and he would say, "Well, so and so is is bugging me," and, and, and but it got to where he didn't want to go to school, and that's why how we found out. You know, he finally kind of confessed that reason he wouldn't go to school because he was always getting picked on. So we then brought it to the attention of the teacher, you know, and encouraged him to talk and everything. And and it took a long time. I mean, you know, and numerous, I guess, assaults thereafter. You know, before before it seemed that they could keep the people separate, and then when the when he ended up going from like second grade to third grade or whatever, they put the kids in different classrooms. You know, they they separated them that way, and uh, and and then of course there were some incidents on the playground. But then we'd bring, but th- but that's still different than the kind of thing we're talking about, where you've got this pack mentality that you know can attack 24 hours a day, and that. And I, again, I got some firsthand experience with that, you know, in another case with some friends and, and family members and different things. But where you know, groups of girls or groups of boys would would just persist. Um, one of our schools in our area is fairly affluent, and and you know, you would think, well, all the kids are pretty well off, everything would be cool, but they're not. That's the, the school that's most notorious for the bullying, and uh, and some of the poorer schools where they have gangs and everything else. They have their own problems, but but the bullying issue isn't one that maybe is addressed as it should be, or it just you know I I, I don't know how to answer it because I, I don't have any answer for it, but but uh, it's surprising. It seems to trans. It, it seems to it, it. There's no ethnic group. There's no gender. There's no gender preference. There's no uh, color. There, I mean, it, it trans all all boundaries. It just exists wherever it exists. Exactly. Bullying crosses all economic lines and everything else. And at every You said school, so much better than I did. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. you. You clarified it. I couldn't get to that point, but there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. But yeah, that's just the, the thing, that bullying is occurring at every school in some shape or form. And I believe from everyone I have spoken to, whether it's people from the ages of nine years old through in their 70s, have come up and told me, yes, you know, I've been bullied uh, at some point or another in some fashion or another. And I've also had some adults come up to me after seeing a film at special screenings at schools and festivals and say, you know what, until I saw this film, until I saw Rats and Bullies, I didn't even realize that I was a bully. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, and sometimes, wow. yeah, that's just kind of extraordinary and that it takes them to see this film and the hurt and devastation it caused to realize how much damage their words inflicted. It's definitely a sobering lesson. Wow. Well, now, so who... who who frequently gets targeted? What kind of kids typically uh, are bullied kids? Interestingly enough, it's always the most talented kids. And on the news, it almost seems, or people's perception, rather, always seems to be, oh, well, it's a weaker kid or someone with a 
disability, and actually just because someone has a disability, that doesn't mean they're weak. They, they right. can be intelligent and whatnot. So in saying that, targets are usually the friendly kids, the talented kids, intelligent. They're targeted by the bullies because of this. Uh, someone who excels in music or someone who excels in math or someone who's in theater or drama. It just, what because bullying is caused by jealousy, insecurity on the part of the bully, that they see something in the other kids that they either want to be or they feel that they can't be or that they should be. And so they're like, well, I'm jealous of that. So if I can't be that, then I'm going to set out to destroy that to make myself feel better about me. You know, so there's some real serious psychological implications going on with the bully. But normally it is those talented individuals. I mean, think of it when, sadly, when we keep hearing about it in the news. It's like, oh, wow, this great kid who played music or this wonderful uh, kid who was in the drama program and stuff. And so really that's who gets targeted are really some of our brightest and most talented kids and the most friendly. And and that just makes it all the worse because of that. Yeah, it it, it does. And, and also what you said just moments ago about the fact that, you know, um, those of us who are older had some kind of refuge, at least we could leave the school and go home, and and not be bothered, but now it's this 24-hour, seven-day-a-week assault that that the kids face because of all of the technology that we have. I mean, I just can't imagine what it's like. I, I was talking to my daughter the other day, and I was saying something, and to my son, who's who's a few years younger than she, I was saying, you know, you guys are kind of in an awkward age right now. You you you're wanting to be independent and you're not old enough and you're gaining some responsibility and uh, you're learning you know more about what it means to be mature and being mature means having experiences and learning some wisdom that come from you know making decisions and from making mistakes and all this but you know you know you, be, you need to, you need to be shuttled around you need us to take you places you need us to buy you clothes and to feed you and and so you're in this you're you're like in the middle of the bridge you know you're crossing over from childhood into you know, young adulthood, and 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 you're not there yet. You know, you, you're not independent. You can't get up and leave when you want to. You you know, you're you're confined by school. And I said, you know, with school, you're going to go through the the same grades with the same kids, pretty much. You know, for the next few years, through grade school and high school, and it doesn't change that much. You're you're kind of in this little encampment that that picks up and moves from you know fall to fall. And so if you've got kids in there that are a problem, you know, you probably will face them for for a number of years. And part of anyway, the point being is that it's hard enough to go back and remember what it was like for me to be that age. But to be that age and then have all of this electronic media uh, you know, cell phones and Facebook and all the different kinds of things, and then be assaulted for 24 hours while you're still trying to figure out, do I like boys, do I like girls, am I popular, am I unpopular, you know, what kind of person am I, and when you're trying to, you know, form your own identity, and then to be just viciously harassed, kind of nonstop, I just, I can't, 
I don't know how they cope unless they have support, unless they have the ability to go somewhere else, and, and not just to friends who are also in the same boat or don't know what to do, but to somebody who might, resources that might be able to provide them some um, relief or some strategies for being able to handle it. Exactly. And some kids, many kids, have told me that going to school to them is equivalent to going to prison, to jail. I mean, I mean, think about what you said, right? The, the kids have to be shuttled to this place, and they don't get a choice, and they have to be there, and they have to be there for a certain number of years, their sentence, and right. they, they are encircled by this cluster of people, these same people that they know. They not only have to deal with for days or months, but years. So to them, it's almost like they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. To them, they're like, we can't see the end of the prison sentence. And that is also what causes this disturbing psychological factor to happen, where the kids feel so trapped. And so with that, I think schools need to have more classes or lectures or events to show the kids that there is an after high school life. There's college, there's job market, all that, and show them that they're not always going to be here, that there is a world outside of this. And there are, there's a world of people outside of these people. Uh, In addition to the fact that it's interesting to me, like when I went to, when I was in college, that uh-huh. there was a course taught that was called Human Relations. And I thought at that time as well, that's interesting. I wonder why a course like this wasn't taught in high school or, for that fact, middle school. Because that's when kids, people, are really shaping their personality. Right. And in addition to math and spelling and science, Schools need to focus on bullying and human relations Mm -hmm. and improve communication. And so I think if high schools added that type of class, I think it would be greatly beneficial to kids and that it would open the lines of dialogue and communication. Oh, I heartily agree. I I heartily agree with you there. Um, I, I would like to add... You know, that conversation that I was saying I had with my daughter, very much what you just said. I told her, wait till you're in college. You're going to find that it's a different world. You have more choices. There's a, a world out there that's different from the kind of what you call prison. Um, but I, too, have always wondered, I, you know, my background is in communication, and I've always thought that uh, uh, a class like what you're talking about should not be a remedial class. It shouldn't be a class that's used in the form of, you know, punishment or when someone does wrong, but but as an introduction. We all tend to think we communicate because we speak, you know, or we tend to think we can communicate well because we write. And the, the fact of the matter is we need to learn how to communicate better because we speak and write. And and to have a class in, in communication, how to meet people, how to respect people, how to treat people, how to value people, how to, you know, to get along, uh, how to establish, you know, relationships and healthy boundaries, I think it would be a fabulous class. And I think you, uh, you I was just going to say, I think you need something to point out where there are um, 
issues. You know, like here's bullying. This is what you do not do. <laughs> you know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what you do. You know, and and the school's got to be very. I think the zero tolerance guys. They, you know, if they say it, they need to really enforce it. They 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 can't send that double message of yes, we won't accept it, but they somehow tacitly do. Right, and and in speaking about um, what you were talking about with your daughter. Yeah. In regard to bullying, uh, the thing I found too is that. Uh, bullying is very different at times uh, for girls than with boys. With girls, it becomes much more psychological warfare. Uh-huh. Uh, and so even now in the psychological world and in, in that community, it, the term is female relational aggression. Uh-huh. And the wow. thing with relational aggression that hurts girls as well is the concept of isolation or shunning. And uh-huh. it's when like one girl maybe she's jealous of another girl. Like in this case with Don Marie Wesley, the the cop's daughter was jealous of the best friendship between Don Marie and Don Marie's best friend Paula. The bully, she wanted to be best friends with Don Marie initially. And Don Marie was like, Well, we can certainly be friends but you know, my best friend is Paula. That wasn't good enough for the for the bully. When she found out she wow. could only be just friends with Don Marie, not best friends, she mounted an all-out campaign to destroy Don Marie. And that's a lot of times what happens with girls. It could even be a girl comes to school and she has a, a new purse. And the other girl is like, well, gosh, I'm jealous of her. She has that new purse. So now I don't like her. And it can become, as, it can start off as something as small as that. And instead of just knowing that, oh, gee, I'm jealous of that or something, it turns into, oh, I hate her for that. And if right. I hate her, that's, like, not good enough. What I have to do is get everyone else to hate her, and then then that's good. And that's what happens. And, and how it can be avoided is communication and face-to-face communication. Like right. the leader of the girl gang in, as you see in the film, Rats and Bullies, she talks about, Gee, how her regret of, gee, if only I could have seen Don Marie's face and talked to her face-to-face and told her, no, we weren't going to kill her. She goes, but I never had that opportunity. And now in hindsight, of course, now the bully sees, wow, I wish we just had face-to-face communication. Right. And and that's how a lot of this can be removed is through communication. Well, you know, it, it, I wow. But then this is this makes a couple of interesting points. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk stereotypes, and people might not like me for this, but you know, it it, it always has seemed to be in my world that when two guys would get into a fight, they would go fight. I, I've had this, my, and and again, it, these are generalizations, so I know there are counterexamples, and and I'm and I am speaking stereotypes. But we would go out and beat the crap out of each other, and then sometimes come in best friends. You know, we we. We, for some reason, stood up to each other. We got bloodied, and and there was some new, new kind of respect as a result of that. I've watched women fight uh, in the streets of Los Angeles, you know, in front of bars, and I've seen. I mean, I've seen some of the most bloody, awful, horrific fighting I've ever seen was among women. Now, the other part to that is is that women literally are smarter than men. I mean, you've got a, a more facile brain. Well, let's say smarter in certain things than men, 
uh, but you've got a more facile brain. Your hemispheres communicate better. You have better communication skills in general. You have better the ability to read people uh, much better uh, and to notice uh, paralinguistic cues or, or the things that accompany speech and, and the emotions of people and seem to have more of an empathy. Uh, again, all stereotype, all generalizations. But so when the torture becomes psychological, I can imagine that you would be that much better at it. We just are too stupid to do it. You know, we, we can abuse and we can batter and we can, we can certainly psychologically torture. But, and, and I'm, and I'm not making excuses for men because, we, boy, guys can be horrible. But it, it does seem that with young girls, I mean, if you take the physical aggressiveness out of it, out of the equation, that that the psychological torture does, I mean, it would be so much more horrific. Am I, am I making any kind of sense here with you, Cassidy? I mean, I'm not trying to draw conclusions. I'm trying to make some observations, I guess. And it just seems, and then it, and then on top of that, where you say it requires face-to-face communication, more and more of our technology removes that face-to-face communication from our daily life. Right, exactly. And it's that anonymity that is fueling the aggression. Uh, I once watched a study where kids a group of kids were put in front of a computer and then another group of kids were put in front of a computer. And these kids never had even met. And then they were told to start instant messaging each other. And from that slowly built into this aggressive state. And then it just got filled with so much hatred and stuff. And later they asked some of the girls, why were you so hateful? And they're like, I don't know. And they're like, well, yeah, I guess because I didn't see the other person. It like, they weren't really real to me. And it is because when they sit behind that computer or that laptop or on that cell phone texting and they don't see their target, they can't see it's another human at the other end of that. And, again, that's why communication is so key here and so important. Uh, and the bystanders as well. Sometimes bystanders takes on a term that's too innocuous and it's like the bystander is also fueling the bully it's those bystanders that need to step up and stop the bully uh, because that bystander is equally as culpable they have to leave that sort of pack mentality behind and they have to step in and say you know what this isn't right and this is another person and step in and and kind of make that change Uh, do you think that Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, that's that's fine. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, do you think that the reason why maybe bystanders are standing by is that one, they're like nowadays. I mean, for adults, where people are afraid to get involved because it might be litigious or something along those lines, or but the the young kids that they may then end up being at the receiving end of the bullies. That that not only will they, you know. Uh, try to help somebody, but then they end up jeopardizing their own safety or security. Uh, you know, until until the bystander or the victim feels that they have some kind of, I guess, safety, I would think it would be hard to, hard, how do you educate somebody to be, I mean, I, how do you think we can educate kids to, to say, okay, enough, you've got to stop this and, and jump in? I think parents need to set an example. And oh, if kids fine. need that, if, 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 
could see that their parents don't get involved. Uh, maybe a, an argument at a grocery store or something. Maybe one person's insulting someone else, and the parent says, oh, let's step back from this. And if they see a parent intervening and saying, hey, cool out and let's talk about this or something, or, you know, they the parents need to tell the kids that they can step in or later on go up to the victim and say, hey, I'm here for you and let's go talk to the school counselor. And then the school counselor or assistant principal or principal or dean or whoever needs to then, you know, step in and, and deal with the bully. And the bully just doesn't need to be told, oh, you're a bully, you're bad. We're sending you home and we're writing a letter to your parents. The bully also needs psychological counseling. Get to the root of the problem. Because with a bully, something has to be going on, whether it's insecurity or jealousy. And they need to talk to that kid. Maybe the kid is getting beat up at home. Maybe they're going home every day and being get called stupid by, by their parents. Uh, because there's a reason why kids are bullied and there's a, and it's due to insecurity and there's a reason why kids are bullying and that's what schools need to address. And that's just you know, my thought on it, and, and when I've talked to kids who have said, yeah, I am a bully, and they've told me what's going on at home. Uh, and then parents also need to look for signs that their kid is being bullied. If your kid is coming home and they're withdrawn, uh, lack of sleep, uh, you know, they're overtired, they're not eating, or in some cases overeating, uh, or passive behavior, or aggressive behavior, something's going on. You know, in other words, it's something out of the norm. And depending on a person's personality, their coping mechanism will be different. And parents need to see that the moment their child starts to act differently, that's the time to talk to them. And also to ask open-ended questions. Parents cannot ask closed questions, such as, do not say to your kid, was school good today? Because a kid most likely is just going to say, um, yeah, sure, and walk away. Whereas as a parent, if you say, what happened at school today? Why don't you tell me what's the best thing that happened today and tell me what's the worst thing that happened today? As well as parents need to keep track of who is their kid's best friend and who are the other friends and keep constant on that and, and know, go, oh, how's your best friend so-and-so today, or what did your best friend say to you today, or what are you guys going to be doing, and, and keep track of that. Also, if suddenly your kid stops being best friends with that person, ask why. That That's a, a key thing right there. Something happened, and it could be bullying or not, and what's going on. So parents need to look for those signs. And I think today, because Unfortunately, with the economic situation globally, parents are having to work two jobs or, or even just their one job, which extends into many hours, and sometimes they just become so tired that they think, well, my kid's going to school and I'm going to trust that the school's taking care of it. And you, you can't. I mean, you just can't. You have to interact with your kid 
And I think also if parents limit their kids' access to the Internet, mm-hmm. make sure that their cell phones are only used for emergency situations and get, you know, blocks or filters put on the phone to where it is just a tool for communicating with the parent uh, or caregiver in that respect, that kids shouldn't have all this access to everything all the time without their parents knowing. So the parents definitely need to monitor what's going on, put the parental controls on the laptop or the computer, check in on them, work with the kids on their homework, um, get them involved more in their homework than, oh, we're posting on Facebook. It, it just more parental interaction needs to be happening with kids. So parents have to be more involved. Uh, Cassidy, this is fascinating and um, and uh, a very necessary conversation to have. i got to take a break right now, and we'll come back in just a couple of, of moments, and, uh, and everyone to hang in there. And uh, are you okay? Okay, sounds great to me. All right, awesome. All right, so everybody, you're listening to RexSykes.com. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat. The official web address is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. One of the things that I want to remind you is we're talking about bullying, the topic of rats and bullies today on the show. And on Friday, the 3rd of February, we're going to talk to Cassidy about the making of the, of the documentary, the feature documentary itself, and, and her approach as a filmmaker. But I felt that the topic of bullying was an important one that we should address, and I wanted to have an, uh, uh, an extra and a, a separate show. Uh, this is primarily a filmmaking, uh, content-making uh conversation that we have uh, the what Rex Sykes Movie Beat is all about. Uh, so this this represents a slight departure, but again, uh, a very uh, important topic to address. Uh, my upcoming guests will uh, be, and keep in mind that I've got lots of fabulous guests coming up, and uh, all of the interviews are archived. There's over 270 hours of uh, professional filmmakers who share their expertise with you so that you can make your projects. Uh, everyone behind camera and everyone uh, name talent in front of the camera contribute to help you advance your career and get your projects made. Uh, let's see. Tomorrow, on the 1st of February, of casting director Melissa Scoft will be returning to uh, Rex Ike's movie beat. Melissa's a, a wonderful person and casting director. I'm enjoying having her back. Betty Jo Tucker is an author and film critic. She'll be joining us on the 2nd and uh, talking about what it's like to be a film critic and about some of her books. Cassidy, again, will return to discuss the feature film on the 3rd of February. Uh, let's see here. We have uh, Peter Marshall coming up on the 9th of February. He, we're doing our director series with Peter Marshall. Uh, we're on part 16. Now, he's provided uh, absolutely critical information about pre-production and breakdown and, and scheduling and uh, putting together the movie and, and breaking down the script and uh, working with actors. And, and so you're going to want to listen to Peter. Uh, wherever you tune in on this series, whether you listen to the first one or the or the last one, I do encourage you to go back and listen to them all. Now, on the sixth, I, I skipped this one because uh, uh, we had bumped Jeff was originally on another date, and he's now going to be on the sixth. Jeff Greenstein, Stein, I'm sorry, is the director. He's a television director from Friends, Parenthood, uh, Will and Grace, uh, Desperate Housewives. Uh, you name it, he's directed it. He's also now the the creator with Jane Spenson and and Cheeks uh, of uh, 
web series called Husbands, the series. That's going to take us up until uh, mid-February. And then, as you know, we have a hiatus, and we're going to be off until March. And uh, during that time, you can go back and listen to all of the archive shows. Please do leave comments at the web uh, site, the Blog Talk Player. You may have to wait until the uh, player closes in order to see the window. It depends on your browser, but do leave comments after the show or during the show. Always feel welcome to uh, tweet live comments or, or post on Facebook what you thought about the show and shows, and do share these with um, whomever you can. And especially this show, if you have, you, I'm sure you know people who have children, and you may have children yourself. Uh, if this is an important topic. Please do spread it around. Let's try and reach everybody we can so we can make some inroad into changing what's going on for our young children and uh, help them to grow up feeling safe and secure. And now you're back with uh, Cassidy McMillan. Her website is CassidyMcMillan.com. The website for the movies is bullies, uh, RatsAndBullies.com. Right? Or is, it rats and, is that correct? RatsAndBullies.com? Right, yes. RatsAndBullies.com. All right. Awesome. So uh, parents do need to be involved. I, I mean, I think that that's, that, that's uh, you know, important, and you've given some good signs for uh, people to notice and to attend to when uh, behaviors change in their children. And, and, of course, you know, we get those kinds of things a lot. They say, well, if they're doing drugs, you know, you might notice this thing. Or if they're, you know, Suicidal, they may be doing these things, or but I mean, it, it's it's good to know. I mean, if if, if the kids are are going along, and all of a sudden there is 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 a pronounced change. You know, they're now they don't want to go to school, or they're now not eating, or they're now not sleeping well, or something like that. There's something going on in their world, whatever it is. And as a parent, you should investigate and find out what that might be. And if you find out that it's bully, you know, I had my daughter on. I had a a Facebook page, and, and some kid was harassing her, some boy, and I, I got on, and I just sent him a message saying, hey, you know, knock it off, or, or you're going to have to deal with me. And the kid came back, and he emailed me, and said, well, you know, I'm only a sixth grader. And uh, it, it made me laugh. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I, and I didn't I didn't say, I'm going to break your neck or anything. I just said, hey, you know, if you don't knock it off, you're going to have to deal with me. And he goes back, and says, you know, you're dealing with, a, you know, you're talking to a sixth grader. And I, and I thought about it at the time, and I thought, you know, it's funny on the one hand, and two, he's like, hey, lighten up, old guy. You know, I'm I'm only 12. But he, what he was doing was really bothersome Right. at 12 yeah. years old. So go ahead. Well, that, yeah, I mean, and that could also be, you know, down the road something to discuss with his parents. Like, okay, right, you're a kid. Right, I'm going to, now we're going to talk to your parents and you know, copy and paste this, what you're posting right. here, and, and show them and and see if that's acceptable behavior. And uh, But it, it's great, though, that you were able to see that and, and catch it. And, again, more parents need to look into what is going on on their kid's Facebook page or even, gee, let's talk about not having a Facebook page until... Right. Maybe their senior year or something, but definitely monitoring it and keeping aware of what's going on. And it's interesting, too, when a kid says, gee, I'm just 11 or 12 or something. I think that points to the fact that bullying can start as early as five years old. Sure. And how parents can also help their children 
is to start talking with their kid about bullying issues and self-esteem at an early age. Because, like I said, it can start at five, kids need to start empowering their kids. Let them know that they're special, that they're important, that they're unique, and let them know that no kid should be bullied or harassed. In fact, some kids that I've spoken to have said, well, yeah, I told my parents that I was being bullied or harassed or pushed around on the school bus. And But my parents then responded to me, oh, well, what did you do to get bullied? Right. And right there, obviously, right, when when you say it like that, then, it, oh, yeah, it clicks, like, well, gee, yeah, that's the wrong message right. to send. And so kids, sometimes that's the message they get. So, again, parents need to see that if their kid tells them that, yeah, there's never going to be, like, this distinct reason, you know, that their kid did something wrong to be bullied. No one deserves to be bullied, and there's nothing that they can do or do to get bullied. And like I said, bullying normally happens to the brightest kids. And like we already discussed, because someone's insecure or jealous. And again, like I talked with the warning signs with parents, the thing is, if a parent feels that there's something that could be wrong, that something's going wrong, there probably is something going wrong. So they need to listen to their inner gut instinct and really sit down and talk to their kid, take your kid out to lunch, you know, spend the day with them, uh, walk around a park and talk to them about what's going on and open those doors of communication and let them know, you know what, it's not right to be bullied or harassed at school. You know, I'm just saying, if there's anything going on, and that you can always come to me and that will work it out and that I'll take care of it and we, we can handle this together. And then, again, start involving your kids with showing them college brochures, uh, things that are going on in the world, uh, so that they get the sense that there is something greater and bigger than high school out there and that something's waiting for them. Uh, you know, when I, when my daughter was approaching 13, you know, I'd say 12 or 13, I got from both men and women more frequent than not the notion of, oh, my God, you got a daughter turning 13. You don't have any idea what you're in for. And even my ex-wife was like, you know, she's going to be 13. And, she, and it, it, I, you know, and all I, you know, I would get the thing of, well, hormones and this and that and the other. You know, and... and I gotta say that that I guess I'm blessed. I mean, uh, not that there haven't been uh, ups and downs and all that kind of stuff as she goes through puberty and the and the idea of separating and and creating her own identity and you know and all the kinds of stuff that goes on during those stages for boys and girls. But um, I gotta say that 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 that, that twelve, thirteen, fourteen thing with girls seems to be. Really, I mean, especially where the bullying stuff comes up, it's really, uh, you know, I mean, an incredible time. Do you find it, I mean, when you watch your documentary, I mean, there are boys and girls who have killed themselves, and and yet the story focuses on Dawn Marie, but I mean, and there's so many, so many children are, you know, are are bullied. Is, is, Is there something kind of, you know, epidemic to young women doing this more so or is it just that the response is greater or or what you talked about before you know what we kind of talked about a little bit before that 
Is it as bad, boys and girls? I mean, all around, if you're the victim of it, obviously it's as bad no matter what. But Right. With boys and girls, the bullying is just as bad. But with girls, as I mentioned earlier, it just simply becomes more psychological just for the fact that it would seem, and through studies, that women deal with more things internally and right. are more thinking all the time. And so with hitting high school as well, there's just so many additional pressures of, oh, now we're going to have a homecoming queen and now we're going to have this. And it's also images that society reflects to girls, like, oh, you're supposed to look like this supermodel or or that. And anything that differentiates from that, then you must be bad and you should be a target or something. And also at that time, kids are coming into additional freedoms with, again, cell phones and technology, and they're discovering that more. So that also fuels the fire if it's not monitored. And um, the thing is, as a society, we all need to get involved in this. And like some people say, oh, another kid killed himself. Oh, well, you know, I have to focus on this situation in the world or something. But what it is is, like you said, so many kids are dying, is that bullying and these bully sides affect all of us. Because really, whenever a kid takes their life, leaving this earth far too soon, it affects us all in a profound way, which is how it affects all of us as a society is that we'll never know what that kid could have grown up to be. Maybe that kid would have become the next president of the United States. Maybe they would have assisted in travel to uh, distant planets. Or maybe, maybe just maybe they could have discovered a cure for cancer. Uh, Like as it is right now, there's a female student less than 18 years old here in Southern California who's working on a cure for cancer. And she just received additional funding from a huge corporation for her work and research. I mean, so just imagine that. So there's this girl, she's under the age of 18, and she's already working on a cure for cancer, so much so that this large company gave a large cash donation to further her work. So imagine if we lost her to bullying. It affects us all, like I said, in a profound way. And losing one kid is too many. Well, the thing that I, you know, what I get from that is I think we're all hardwired to to die before our children do. So whether they be president or whether they are not president, the the very fact that our children leave the world for whatever reason, you know, or particularly if they if they take their own life because somebody's cruel to them, um, you know, the word psychological for women, I, I just it's just downright cruel. It's it's like. You know, we try to prevent cruelty to animals, and we should be really, as well, trying to make sure that the cruelty is being prevented. Our kids aren't aren't the victims of cruelty, um, but any kid lost, whether they amount to something or not, I just think we're hardwired to say that can't be right. You know, <laughs> I should go before my kids; they shouldn't go before me. Right, and and like you talked about cruelty as well. Again, adults need to set that example. Uh, And, like, for parents, they need to think about what they're saying at home. If they say things that are bigoted or racist 
or insulting. Right. Like if they're watching the TV and they go, oh, look at that person, they're fat. Or, oh, look at that boy on TV, he's stupid. You know, those are key words. Those are hateful words that they're putting into their child's head. So now when that kid goes to school and sees someone perhaps of a larger size, maybe a little overweight, now they're going to say, oh, you're fat. You know, or, oh, hey, you're doing this, you're stupid. Because they emulate their parents. So we all need to look at the examples we're setting, whether to your niece or nephew or kids, you know, if you don't have kids of your own, that we as adults need to look at what we're saying. You know, whether it's a politician on TV insulting a certain class of people or or whatever, we're all sending these messages to kids. It's trickling down from somewhere, and it's from us. So adults need to be aware of that. I think that's a, an excellent point and that we need to monitor our own behaviors and be sure that we are exemplary as best we can to not pass it down. I mean, we know that prejudices, you know, are passed from, from family member to family member, from older to younger, you know, just by by living. Now, but having said that, not everyone, um, in other words, there, there must be, you know, the the exemplary parents, the parents who are just absolutely perfect and that their kids still bully. I mean, they, you know, it's, it's um, so I guess the question that I have is um, if parents need to do whatever they can do, they need to be able to be, to, to be alert and know that there are changes going on in their kids if they're victims. They need to somehow be alert and know if their kids are bullies because part of the, you know, problem is if, when what you mentioned about the people who saw the documentary said, I didn't even realize I was a bully at the time. So, I mean, you, you've got to watch your kids make sure they're not victims, but also watch your kids make sure that they're bullies and that you're not somehow either uh, purposefully or, or, or otherwise passing along messages that, that seem to make this kind of behavior okay. Um, but beyond that, what can the schools do? Because this does take place in school as well. What, what do we need to get our schools and our teachers to do? Well, we need to have teachers address things and also be advocates for all students. For example, in some schools, like at a school in Minnesota that's been talked about, there's a policy there called the neutrality policy. Okay, well, that's kind of vague. Well, neutrality policy, what is that? Well, the neutrality policy is where they're telling teachers to neither be supportive of a student who happens to be gay or be non-supportive of a student who happens to be gay. And that is clearly sending the wrong message. That's turning a blind eye toward discrimination and it's almost endorsing discrimination. So it's almost like if someone asks a teacher, oh, is being gay okay? They go, well, I'm actually just neutral on that. I mean, just think of, you know, in the in the 60s or earlier, in the 1960s or earlier, if someone said to a teacher, oh, is being African American okay? And a teacher said, oh, well, actually, I'm just neutral on that. I really, I really, you know, don't have an opinion. I mean, think of the message that's sending. I mean, that is just discrimination uh, right there, and it's sending a message to kids that, oh, it's okay to bully someone for their gender preference. 
And the thing here is that every student, no matter what their gender is, no matter what the color of their skin is, their physical makeup, whether they're tall, short, large, overweight, what their religion is, their gender preference, if they have a disability, whatever their economic status is, every kid should have the right to go to school, sit on a school bus, go to classes, and learn without fear and without threats or physical or emotional harm. And that Absolutely. is what you know, all schools need to do uh, because, again, like I said, these things like neutrality policy, it's an excuse for teachers to turn a blind eye toward discrimination, and that's wrong. The other well, thing is recognize... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you can paraphrase, we could paraphrase a, you know, a famous quote for evil to triumph. You know, the only requirement is that good people do nothing. Right. You know, to, to exactly not right. take a stance against something... Yeah, I mean, you can look at the Bible. It says if you're not for it, you're against it, you know. So, I mean, if you don't take a stand against it, it must mean you're for it. I, I cannot believe that anybody could be neutral. Right. If, you know, if something we is can't, going down. Right. We can't afford to be neutral. Right. In other words, yeah, we can't afford to just sit idly by and watch discrimination or bigotry or hatred happen. Um, yeah, endorsing it. Exactly. And... The other thing, too, here that schools, adults need to oh, look you know, at. I'm sorry. It just, it, 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 what it does is it turns the schools into bystanders. Exactly. And yeah. and then by being a bystander, it's, it's like I'm supporting and endorsing this act. They almost then become the bully because they're not stopping it and they're endorsing it. Certainly. So all kids have the right to go and be protected. I mean, just Absolutely. like in the work in the workplace, adults have rights, right? Where we go, oh, okay, yeah, there's such thing as, you know, harassment and, and threats because, of course, companies fear a lawsuit. Well, uh-huh. the thing is in schools, kids need those same protections because think about this, that like in this instance with Don Marie and in thousands of instances that are going on at schools globally, a bully is saying to a victim, like the bully says, for instance, hey, on uh, Monday after school at 5 p.m. in the parking lot, I'm going to beat you up and kill you. So be ready. And now we, as adults, we go, oh, well, that that's just um, uh, bullying or kids being kids. But think about this. If you were in the workplace and your coworker said to you, hey, Monday after work at 5 p.m. in the parking lot, I'm going to beat you up and kill you. So be ready. Now, what would happen? An adult would be like, oh, my gosh, I'm calling the police. The police would get involved, and the the crime there, it's a felony charge, and that felony charge is uh, making a terrorist threat because you are terrorizing someone. Mm-hmm. But yet for kids, it's like there's really nothing on the law books to say, oh, a kid so can't say to another kid, oh, I'm going to kill you. So what needs to happen here is that legislation needs to be worked on uh, to address this situation. The same laws for adults need to be applied in the juvenile court system because bullying is really just criminal harassment by someone younger than 18. And and dark, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's why it needs to be addressed. There needs to be equal rights for 
on protections for kids just as there are for adults. Well, I, I think that, again, that's a brilliant point, and I think that the documentary where you where you have the judge speaking and saying that you know if you threaten somebody, there's there's in Canada there's certain things they can do about threatened speech, you know, and and, and whether or not a person feels threatened, and it, it's you know or intimidated, and and your point is so accurate, so right on. I mean, the, the kids are literally in this limbo of, you know, nobody will do anything about it for us. And uh, and yet, if you were an adult, you would have, in essence, you would have certain remedies, and, and hopefully you'd be taken seriously, you know, if, if threats were made. Um, what, I, what what came to my mind while you were talking about this is, is the same kind of behavior that happened when I was a kid. You know, you got into a fight out in the playground, and there were those people who were the other person's uh, corner, and there were those people who were your corner. And so if I were fighting with the kid, then there were those people who were cheering me on and, and yelling at the other side, and there were those people cheering him on and yelling at the other side. But then there were all these people standing around watching, you know, and, and you see it in movies and you see it in real life. The two people that fight get, you know, you fought so you guys get in trouble, and sometimes their corners get in trouble. But really everybody should get in trouble. The bystanders who allow it to go on are just as guilty as the people who are egging the people on, who are just as guilty as the two people who are trading blows. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly it, that the bystanders, they might as well be throwing their fists uh, yeah. in the face of the kid or insulting them. They're, you know, it's that mob mentality, and that's why schools need to have lectures and assemblies and breakout groups and discussions on this with counselors. There needs to be one-on-one -on -one counseling with kids and group counseling and have discussions and, like I said before, have a class like human relations or human interaction, whatever you want to call it, but it needs to be a subject taught. I mean, people know, people have to learn how to be supportive of one another in this world. If anything is going to get better, and if we're going to affect positive change. And schools need to start this early, from elementary school, and even just teaching interaction things in, in kindergarten. Because, like I said, bullying can start and start to manifest itself as early as when children are five years old. Well, there's so many things. I mean, now, like for the classroom, I mean, the teacher's got to nip it in the bud right away, and there's got to be certain things that they, they must be able to do. By the way, we've got maybe about uh, uh, 10 minutes or so left before we are out of time. Again, I want to say that Cassidy's website is CassidyMcMillan.com. The uh, movie is RatsAndBullies.com, that website as well. And Cassidy's going to be back on Friday to discuss the making of the feature film Rats and Bullies. And uh, and uh, if you go to her biography page at RexSykes.com and there, or to her website, there's other support material. And I was going to say that her website and stuff is available for my site. Uh, but do look into this, especially if you have kids or you know somebody who has kids, and that's probably all of you who are listening, uh, because this is a, a very important topic, and I'm, I'm really glad that... Uh, you made your documentary, and I'm really glad that you're on the show and that you're making inroads around the country. But let me just say, find out some of the some of the other classroom tips that teachers need to be aware of. They they got to stop it. I mean, parents need to lead by example. I suspect teachers need to lead by example, and they need to nip it in the bud. And if you find out that your kid is bullying, you have to, you know.
bullying. And so, what do the teachers do in the in the classroom? The teachers need to address it when it occurs. If they see and hear insults going on, you know, in the back of the room and other kids laughing, it needs to be stopped then and there. The bully needs to be sent down to the counselor's office, principal's office, what have you. And then that bully does need to be talked to. Because, like I said, there could be something going on with them at home that's propelling this. Their bad behavior. So instead of just saying, you're bad, well, okay, so now that kid's going to define themselves as being bad. You know, they need to know that help is out there and that they can correct this behavior and maybe get to the root cause. Maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's insecurity, or maybe they're getting beaten at home. You just don't know. And then the target, the victim, I sort of like to, well, not like to, I prefer to call them a target rather than a victim. They didn't buy the deal. That's a good point, right. No, I I just don't like the connotation of that. I don't agree with you. Yeah, you know, so I prefer to use the term target. The target needs to be talked to later as well, but not singled out in front of their class. Let the class go on and then afterwards say, hey, you know what, we're going to follow up with the counselor and and stuff. And then the parents of the bully, if the school is established and and feels, yes, that there's no abuse going on at home or, or whatever, then needs to have a parent or the parents in for discussion and follow-up. And the parent at home needs to then get a therapist for their kid. You know, as much as it's like, oh, I'm going to now take them to the orthodontist for braces, okay, great. But also their mental state and emotional state needs to be addressed, you know, as they're forming the person that they're going to be when they go out in the world after high school. Because it's not like after 18 they magically stop being a bully because they turn 18. They'll just be a bully or perhaps a criminal offender later in their life. So parents need to take their kid into a therapist and, and see what's going on as well. And the therapist might eventually find out, oh, it is something that the parents are doing that the parents don't even realize that they're doing. Right. Kind of what I talked about earlier was about right. racism. So that's important for parents to follow up and realize, you know, maybe we need a professional to help out here and, of course, get recommendations, you know, before you go to a therapist and stuff. But that needs to happen. And schools, like I said, need to address it and not just punish a bully but find out what's going on and then also follow up with the target and talk to them. And then teach in classes that, you know, that behavior that we saw, that's not right, and we all should respect each other. It's sort of like I have found in talking to teachers, some teachers have told me, well, at times I just, you know, I get overwhelmed, and I'm like, I don't want to deal with that kid. or what. Well, if you don't deal with that kid, who is? You know, that's the thing right. that you're a teacher, so you need to teach, and you need to teach more than just math. You need to realize that you need to show uh human compassion and understanding, and you need to teach non-discrimination. And, again, get that kid, whether it's the bully or the target, additional help by having them meet with the counselor. Uh, What schools also should not do, and I can't emphasize this enough, schools should not have the bully then interact with the target. Like some schools will say, oh, hey, bully, 
say to the target, you're sorry, in front of me. And then the blue says, yeah, all right, whatever, I'm sorry. <laughs> right, and and that does nothing. And plus it's putting the target in a position of having to be face-to-face a confrontation with that bully. So that's completely the wrong thing to do. Like I said, the bully should be dealt with separately, as should then the target should get some additional assistance. And then the parent should be informed that the target is getting bullied. Because in other cases, I've had parents then email me and say, you know what, the school didn't even tell me any of this was going on. So schools need to bring in the parents on both sides. But make it known to the parent of the target, you know, your kid didn't do anything wrong by being targeted. They were simply targeted because they were, and they're a good kid, you know. So that needs to happen as as well. Uh, And like I said, go ahead. No, no, you finish uh, no, so I'm just saying that those things just need to be addressed more in schools, and if policies need to be drawn up in schools to help teach the teachers how to deal with bullies in their classrooms, then that should happen as well, to give these teachers tools, like a toolbox to work with, so that all schools are a safe school, a safe learning environment. I never thought I'd be saying, you know, it, you know, you think uh, our goal is to get our kids from grade to grade to grade and out of our school and into the next school. I never thought I'd have to say the goal should be to get them out of the school alive, you know, and to get them out of school and into the next school, you know, with a good self-esteem and preserve, you know, and and, and intact. Um, but sadly, I, I guess maybe that's that's how we got to start thinking about things. Um, you know, parents can monitor and need to monitor and be more involved with their kids. Schools need to monitor and also be more involved with the kids and somehow uh, encourage children to come forward, even if it's difficult. But if it remains in the dark, it's very hard to to to, to bring to light. So uh, you've given lots of great suggestions and tips and, and advice about what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Let me just ask you this, because I know that you are, you've got a program you're launching for schools and charities. Can you tell us about that? And we literally have three or four minutes. We, we could pick that back up on Friday, but, uh, but do talk, because if schools are listening or people who you know, have a, a school uh, in their neighborhood or this is an issue for them, uh, you may have a program that could come to their school or to a charity or somewhere, and, and so tell us how they can get in touch. Oh, by the way, it's macmillanmedia.com, correct? Uh, Gmail, I'm sorry, macmillanmedia at gmail.com, I believe is, a, is an email address to get a hold of you. Right. They can email our film office, uh, again, macmillanmedia at gmail.com or ratsandbullies at gmail.com. And all of that information is on the ratsandbullies.com website. And uh, with with that, with schools, yes, my film office has received thousands of requests from schools globally, from Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, United Kingdom, Canada, the Netherlands, wherever, and of course all throughout the United States, to come out and show this film because the bullying epidemic, as I said, is continuing to grow and we're losing too many kids to suicide over it. What we're trying to do, though, is set up an educational outreach program because clearly I don't have any funding to get out to these schools. And some schools are like, well, we're with limited funding. So how can we do it? Because they also, of course, want me to you know, talk to the kids do these presentations because, like I said, I've, I've talked to thousands of kids and um, where we've shown the film and I've, I get questionnaires back from the kids. I hand out a questionnaire and I turn it back in and, and 
the things that they say on it are, are really enlightening and, and profound. But so with that, we're going to start a, a fundraising cam- a fundraising campaign on Kickstarter.com to assist with this educational outreach program to help raise funds for that uh, cause and for uh, organizations, uh, anti-bullying organizations, as well as schools, anyone who also wants to have a fundraising event uh, to help their foundation, their organization against bullying, we are certainly looking to work with them. So, again, contact us, rapsandbullies at gmail.com, and we can set up a, a fundraising event, you know, utilizing the film uh, for that organization, you know, in conjunction with them to fundraise equally for our campaign to go on the film tour with the film and that I can talk and, you know, speak to schools. And like I said, I also do, like, sort of private counseling with schools, consultations with them. And so, yes, this will help the educational program. So, just those organizations just need to contact us, and uh, we're working to set up things, and we'll have further news on our Kickstarter campaign on our website and our Facebook page, which is under Rats and Bullies Featured Documentary Film, uh, because on Facebook, Wikipedia set up their own uh, Facebook page regarding our film, but that's not ours. Ours is under Rats and Bullies Featured Documentary Film. But, yeah, well, so I just... Find- I, I, go ahead. No, I was saying, yes, yeah, so just contact us, and we'll work to help set that up. All right, fantastic. You know, we're just at that point where we're out of time. I have to say again, uh, the feature film Rats and Bullies is, is, is crucial. It is critical that you see this movie, that you, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, if you're a child, I really do believe you've got to see this movie. And, you know, and something has to be done, and this, and and bullying has to end and 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 somewhere down the line uh maybe with your help Cassidy a different term will be there instead of bullying so that people can understand the severity of it that much more readily and uh I appreciate you being on the show I appreciate your efforts I appreciate uh that you undertook the movie my heart goes out to the family of Don Marie and and the other children uh, who were lost as a result of, of bullying and and or those who t- took their own lives as a result of it. Um, you know, but uh, a very important work, and I hope that it gets shown and aired all over the place and that uh, this people understand how severe this problem really, truly is. I thank you for being here. You're going to be back on Friday, the 3rd of February. That's just in a few days. We'll talk about the making of the documentary. I appreciate this so much. Thank you, Cassidy, for being here. Oh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm glad we could discuss this topic. Thank you. Oh, you bet. Thank you. All right. Well, a, a fascinating guest indeed. That was Cassidy McMillan, uh, the documentary producer, director, and writer, you know, I mean, of the documentary Rats and Bullies and of an upcoming feature film in development. Uh, I want to thank her again for being here, and thank you, my listeners. Please do share this show, and please do leave comments. This really is an important show and an important topic, and uh, I do really want to reach as many people as we possibly can um, about this documentary film and about the uh, the need to nip bullying in the bud. All right. Uh, Having said that, I've got lots of great guests coming up tomorrow. Melissa Scoff, casting director. If you're an actor, if you're a director, you need to know why to use a casting director, and you need to know as an actor 
what to do in order to get cast. And so Melissa Scuffed will be with us, film critic on Thursday, Betty Jo Tucker, Cassidy will be back on Friday, and then Jeff Greenstein next week, and Peter Marshall. All right, you can become a member or a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat at uh, Facebook by clicking on the group, uh, the friend page there. You can follow me on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That last word is abbreviated, Rex Sykes Movie BT. It's abbreviated. Everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies and complete your projects. But today, make an effort to change the world on top of it. Make it a point to contact somebody to reach out to help save the life of another child. Don't ever let this happen again. Uh, and join us. Let's all try and make that a point to uh, to change the world. And the way we do it is one person at a time in our own neighborhood. Reach out to a school, reach out to a charity, reach out to some place, a church group maybe, and say, hey, you know what, there's this movie out there that you need to see because it's important and it's about our youth. All right, everybody, until we meet the next time, that's a wrap. <laughs>